Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. It is Monday, July 12th, and I'm Joey Pizzolatto, editor of Auto Finance News. Joining me is Amanda Harris, associate editor, as always. And this is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending July 9th, 2021. To start, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, Alpha, Agoradea, Dealer Track, Defy Solutions, and Spirion for their continued support. In general news, jobless claims last week edged up but held near pandemic lows, increasing by 2,000 applications week over week to 373,000. New weekly filings for jobless benefits have more than halved since the beginning of the year as health concerns dwindle and pent-up demand fuels hiring at hotels and restaurants. Economists forecast that the unemployment rate will fall below 5% by the fourth quarter of this year as more than half of U.S. states are ending enhanced federal unemployment benefit programs. In banking and fintech, the Biden administration signed a sweeping executive order on Friday designed to promote competition in the U.S. The order, which primarily targets big tech and the healthcare industry, also calls for banks to allow customers to take financial transaction data with them to a competitor, a move that will, quote, make it easier and cheaper to switch banks. The order also takes aim at mergers in general, including banking. It urges the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency to update guidelines on banking mergers to, quote, provide more robust scrutiny of mergers. Even though such, such mergers are subject to federal review, the federal agencies have not formally denied a bank merger application in more than 15 years, the order notes. In auto finance, our top stories last week were cooling used vehicle values, which was somewhat expected, and Banco Santander's proposed acquisition of Santander Consumer USA's remaining outstanding shares. Let's start with used vehicle values. Amanda, what was the top takeaway there? Yeah, so as you said, it, it was expected, and I think the industry's kind of been waiting for this to happen. Um, but finally, it looks like used vehicle values after just sitting at just record highs and every single month going up yet again um, from pretty much since really the peak of the pandemic. So like last May, last June, um, not every single month you know, had a consecutive increase from the previous month, but it still hit record levels um, nearly every month since that time. And then for the last five months, it has gone up consecutively every single month. Um, but now finally in June, we're starting to see it kind of level out. Um, and so it's still ridiculous, they're so ridiculously high, uh, but they have started to come down a little bit, um, level out a little bit. So the Mannheim Index, um, which had surpassed 200 for the first time ever, in May, um, decreased about 1.3% from last month. So we're not talking like a huge decrease, um, but it's at two, 200.4 in June. It was like 203 in May. Um, so like I said, not anything huge, but it is a sign that things might be stabilizing a little bit. Um, and there's a couple of factors. Uh, one of them just being that supply for used cars is getting a little better. Um, that was kind of part of what was driving up the prices so much is that it's so hard to find 
used vehicles. So that was driving up demand and, and all the pricing. And, and of course, what was coming in were, um, you know, pretty nice used like trade-in like trade cars and things like that. So all that was kind of driving the price up. Well, now supply is coming back a little bit because a lot of people who maybe purchase vehicles um, are finally able to find like the new vehicle that they want as that's kind of getting a little better. So they're trading in their used vehicles. So that's helping see an influx of trade-ins that's kind of going toward this. Uh, repo is still not something that's helping with this. It's still very behind. So this is really driven mainly by the fact that people are trading in their cars. I mean, I know people are getting calls of, of cars that they have and, you know, dealerships are, are really pushing for people to come in and trade their used vehicles because they need them um, to get a good deal on, on maybe a newer used vehicle in their lot or something like that. Um, so that's kind of helping. Um, and it does look like that that's going to be the trend now. They don't, uh, the people I talked to don't really think that they're going to jump back up. I think we're in a point now where it's going to continue kind of coming down and evening out, but ending the year still way up compared to last year and even compared to 2019 when things were more normal. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, and we'll probably continue, continue to see elevated values, you know, through 2020 at the very least, but I would imagine, you know, per normal supply chain. Once new car production kind of ramps up, um, you have the, that repo volume, which I think last month it was still at about 50 to 60% what pre-pandemic levels were once that kind of builds up a little bit. Um, rental car companies have an opportunity to kind of add to their fleet with that new car and maybe defleet some of their older models. I think that that will also help to accelerate um, that depreciation. Um, but, you know, like you said, they are still going to continue to be high, but it is kind of a, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel to see them depreciate even by, you know, that small margin that, that we did in, in June. Yeah, definitely the rest of 2021. And uh, yeah, rental really isn't, hasn't really come back either. They're kind of holding on to their stuff. So <laughs> we'll right. see if that changes. Yeah. Well, I mean, rental car prices are, are, are through the roof right now. Um, my dad was just visiting and he said that he paid almost double what he would normally pay to rent a car for, you know, a long weekend. Um, so I, you know, I would imagine as long as those stay up uh, as well, they probably won't be defleeting anytime soon. So they will need those used cars um, to, you know, again, pad their fleet a little bit more to, to um, you know, keep up with consumer demand, especially as they spend more money traveling and, you know, going places that they couldn't go uh, last year. Well, I wish someone would take mine so I could find a new car. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be persistent. Somebody will want it, I promise. I'm being picky, that's the problem. And that's... it's not an environment to be picky in, but I'm being picky anyway. <laughs> hey, that, that, you do you, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, uh, moving on to Santander. Um, first announced July 2nd, um, Santander Holdings, which is um, a wholly owned subsidiary of Banco Santander, Madrid-based uh, bank, um, they want to buy all the outstanding uh, shares of Santander Consumer USA. They currently own about 80% of uh, the outstanding shares that are currently available on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, this is the second acquisition announced, or potential acquisition. We don't know if it's going to go through yet, but it's the second potential one um, announced within a week. And, you know, obviously these two really don't necessarily have anything to do with each other, but I think, I think it is interesting, um, you know, to look at like the differences between the two. Um, 
So maybe we can start with just kind of like the nuts and bolts, Amanda. What like what do we know about uh, the the deal, and what are we still kind of waiting to hear? Yeah. So essentially, Santander Holdings wants to basically become the sole, you know, basically owner of Santander Consumer USA by buying the rest of the shares. So they hold eighty, like almost eighty-one percent at this point. Um, so they did offer uh, in their original proposal. Um, a price that was about up about 7.4% from where it was um, trading that day, which was June 30th, and about 30% above, like, excuse me, average share price since January 1st. Um, so they were hoping that that would be enough to kind of push, uh, you know, the, the Santana Consumer USA board to accept this proposal, get the people who are hold holders of the rest of those shares to sell those at that premium price. Um, and then they would basically become you know, the sole owner, it would remove Santander Consumer USA from publicly trading because now they're all, they're completely owned by one company. Um, but kind of like through wrenching a little bit is that stock price did go up and it seems like investors do believe that Santander Consumer USA is worth more than what it was priced at in holdings proposal. Um, so right now- dollars yeah, share. yeah, it was trading at 39, then went up to, I think, what, 41 at one point. Um, so people were kind of valuing it more in the, like, low 40s, um, where the proposal was about $36. Um, so kind of a difference there, which part of that's just, you know, people kind of driving it up a little bit. There's also, like, this thought that maybe the proposal was, um, you know, underpricing the shares a little bit. Uh, so right now, it really just goes to the Container Consumer USA board. They have to look at this proposal and to see if this is the best interest in the company and in their shareholders' best interests. And they would have to decide whether or not to move forward. Um, and then from there, it would, if they do move forward, they would have to kind of work out all the actual details of what the deal would look like, what the final price would be, um, you know, how they would go about proposing this to the investors who hold those shares. Um, so we're just kind of in a waiting game now to see if the board is going to um, take this or not. And it's kind of, we don't really know because it was technically above where it was trading when they did the proposal, but now investors might feel like that's not enough. So they may go back or they may um, decide not to do this at this point, or we're not really sure yet exactly what's going to happen. Right. And I, I just brought up, brought up the numbers. There's a lot to keep track of. The closing price on the 30th uh, was around $36 and some change, and their offer was for $39 on July 2nd. On July 2nd, their stock price rose up to 40, and currently at, it is 3.04 p.m. Eastern time, uh, it is currently sitting at 41.03 per share, which is relatively flat from market open today, like a 0.31% increase. So like you said, it, yeah, it, you know, analysts have told us that, you know, the, mar the market seems to think that, that Santander is, is worth uh, more um, and that, uh, you know, that maybe they expect uh, Santander Holdings to come back with another deal. Now, different analysts, um, I believe John Hecht from uh, Jefferies wrote in a research note that he did not believe that Santander would come back with um with a with a higher higher price tag uh, solely because they are you know that eighty percent shareholder, um, however you know it, it really remains to be seen. You know we're trying to get a hold of um, their investor relations to get a more definite timeline, but 
no word yet. We will definitely keep everyone updated. Um, but uh, you know, I do think think it, it's worth uh, or it's interesting to kind of look at this in light of Exeter, right? Exeter, a private company. Um, you know, they they had been in in works with with this deal for for no uh, who knows how long. Um, but we know that they did have plans to file for an IPO a couple of years ago. They scrapped those plans. So you know. The, the the concept of you know where where lenders are getting their capital and funding um you know is continuing to evolve and it will be interesting to see the way um santander consumer if this deal goes through how how their operations and and uh the way they do business evolves now once um you know if santander holdings uh does take full control of them I know for sure it would probably mean we'll have to uh, dive deeper into Santander Holdings earnings rather than just get, you know, their report, you know, directly sent to our inbox. Yep. But work a little harder, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. We're, 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 we're up to the challenge. <laughs> um, speaking of earnings, um, this week starts, kicks off second, second quarter earnings season. Uh, tomorrow we'll have Chase Auto and then Wednesday is Wells Fargo PNC Financial. Um, as well as Bank of America with um, U.S. Bank and Truist coming on Thursday. We also have a couple stories in the works about the TP TCPA, excuse me, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, and J.D. Power's acquisition of Darwin Automotive. So keep an eye out for that. As always, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, rate the roadmap on whichever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.